What's up, Slick Talkers? I want to promote a quick little thing that we're doing at Good Morning Hospitality called Good Morning Retreats. This is our first ever retreat, and we are hosting a hospitality training retreat at the Horst Schultz Hospitality Training School in Auburn, Alabama. Now, this is going to be July 8th through the 10th, and it's for operators only. So if you're a property manager and you want to actually dive into the inner workings of providing hospitality and not just the operations of your business, then this is what you need to do and sign up for. So go to goodmorningretreats.com in order to get into an intimate setting with other operators just like you. If you go to the website, you'll see the published agenda and other things around the whole retreat. We're excited to host you. And if you're going to the retreat already and you've already confirmed your spot, we can't wait to show you what we have up our sleeves for this event. Now, let's move on to the episode. Thanks for tuning in. And like always, I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast. So I would really be looking for someone who realizes that their job is to help uh, the leaders in their team, uh, their department managers, by educating them, by bringing them along. Because not everybody's going to know how to do their forecasts. Let's face it, mm-hmm. not everyone's going to understand how to read the P&L. And to say, well, just do it. Um, I need it by Friday. That's not really very helpful. So um, I would really be looking for the person with the leadership style that is in it for the long run and going to help the leaders by educating them and by um, supporting them. Welcome to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast where we discuss all things hospitality, hotels, and business. You can find us online at slicktalkthepodcast.com and on every podcast listening platform. Perfect. Welcome back, everybody, to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. I'm your host, Will Slickers. Today, I have an amazing guest. Uh, should have been on the show a long, 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 long time ago. Uh, his name is David Lund. He's the hotel financial coach. And I'm excited to finally have this opportunity to have you on the show, my friend. It's good to see you. How are you doing over there in Maine? I'm doing great, Will. Thank you very much. Um, I think I'm doing a little better than you are today. It's kind of 70 degrees and sunny here in Maine in the middle of November. And uh, I think it's kind of wet on the West coast, the wet coast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it won't last. So um, I'm going to enjoy it while I can. Exactly. We, I think that's a big, big lesson of COVID-19. Enjoy everything while we can, right? While we got Absolutely. the, while we got the moment to do it. Well, um, like I said, it's been a long time coming to get you on the show. Um, should have had you on back in July of two thousand. Yeah. Yeah, July of 2019, actually. And then, um, you know, life got a little crazy with us and we've both been doing big, mm. big things. So glad to finally have you on and uh, introduce you to the audience. So we'll just start off right with um, kind of like who you are and what your journey is. I want to know kind of what got you into hospitality and then, of course, doing what you do today with the uh, hotel financial coach. Sure. Well, thanks. Um, I'm originally from uh, New Brunswick which is a province in Eastern Canada, uh, not to be confused with New Brunswick, New Jersey, or Brunswick, Maine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I grew up uh, in a town called St. Andrews, and I grew up actually quite literally in the shadow of the Algonquin Hotel. Mm. It was just up the street from kind of where I lived, basically. And um, one thing led to another. As a kid, uh, um, I was going to when I finished high school, take a summer off uh, or winter off and go to Europe with a friend, like a lot of my friends did. But uh, 
my friend backed out at the last minute and my father was a teacher at the local uh, community college and he came home and one day in mid-September and said, uh, son, what are you still doing here kind of thing? And uh, I didn't really have a good answer, but he basically said, uh, there's a new course at the college. I think it's bartending. Like, why don't you go check it out? But it wasn't bartending, it was hotel management and uh, I enrolled and uh, the rest is kind of history, but I started working at the Algonquin Hotel as well. And uh, in those days, it was a Canadian Pacific Hotel now, okay. uh, which are now Fairmont Hotels. And I spent the next 31 years working with the same company all over North America. First uh, 10 years or so were in operations positions in rooms and food and beverage. I was on my way to being a GM, or at least that's what I like to tell myself. And then one day, um, one thing led to another, a twist of fate. I ended up uh, getting transferred from Toronto to Victoria, British Columbia. You're in the okay. woods. Yeah. And uh, they kind of um, inscripted me. That's what we do in Canada. We don't draft people. We conscript them. But uh, hmm. I ended up in the accounting department as the assistant accountant. And I didn't really want to go, but someone who was this mental opportunity told me it was a great opportunity, whether I realized it or not. And one thing led to another. I did some courses at night. And uh, three years later, I got promoted to assisting controller in another hotel. And a couple of years later as controller. And um, I kind of really flourished in the role because not so much of, about my accounting knowledge and, and that proficiency, but more about how I could relate to the operation, having mm -hmm. grown up in operations. And I could talk to the people and speak about the numbers in a way that most of the financial people really couldn't do because they were accountants and they didn't yeah. have the operations experience. So that's kind of uh, where I um, went with my hotel career. But about 10 years ago, I created a workshop in one of the hotels I was working in and um, it was a big hit. And I basically taught the leaders in the hotel, the non-financial people, how to read the P&L, what it all meant. And uh, right away, I could see I was onto something because in our business, we don't typically teach the finances. We kind of mm -hmm. leave it up to good luck or maybe you'll find a mentor or you know, maybe you'll suffer like I did and uh, you'll find your way through the number maze, but uh, nobody teaches this stuff. But I thought, well, why wouldn't I do that? This was, this was really fun. So a few years after that, um, I left my day job after 31 years and I started my own company, the Hotel Financial Coach. And I do today online workshops before in-person workshops. Mm -hmm. I also do online mentoring, which I've been doing now for almost seven years. Wow. And I do consulting, um, help people with um, business plans for hotels as well, uh, internal controls. Um, I also have a video course. I speak at events, or at least I used to, um, not so much anymore, online events a bit. But um, basically helping people with their financial literacy, whether it be individuals or teams. And um, yeah, so there's a, a great return on investment for that kind of work because you can actually measure you know, what these people find in, when it comes to new understandings and new ways of interpreting the, their budgets and their forecasts and finding ways to save money and being able to show you what they did vis-a-vis -vis their P&L and the monthly results. So um, it's very unique in that sense because a lot of the things that people bring us when they want to do training in our world, uh, we kind of point a finger at it and go, well, you know, where's my money? When am I going to get my money back for this wonderful training? And they can't tell you, but with financial leadership training and these skills, you can. Well, well that's kind of my story. 
Dang, it's, it's impressive. And I like the, that you're able to relate in the sense of operations because I, I've been on the side of operations and having like the accounting department or just somebody who doesn't get it, um, you know, talk to you about numbers and certain things that you're doing with the PMS or the check-in process or whatever, it's kind of frustrating. And so to have that, like it's, it's, it's a good skill. And I was going to ask you, cause I'm a big revenue management geek. Like I'm, that's what I, I do. I do revenue management for, uh, I got certified through Cornell and all this other stuff. Um, but maybe for the audience members that don't know the difference between revenue management and accounting, because I think um, revenue management is a great skill. It's a great tool. It's a great strategy that we always have to implement, but what's the back end look like when it comes to accounting with that? Yeah. Well, I like to tell people it's not accounting, it's business thinking. Mm. There's going to be accountants in your organization. They're going to do the accounting. They're going to do yeah. the, the finite heavy lifting, the balancing of the books. But as a, as a leader in hospitality, the difference between revenue management and financial leadership is in revenue management, we're figuring out how we can maximize the rev par and the additional revenues in the hotel. But that's just the beginning of the story. The story then goes into, well, how do I um, generate this income? What is it going to cost me to generate all this income? And how much profit is left over in the end? And understanding you know, the payroll and the expenses and how to be able to lead your team around those issues. Because money has a lot of power in our, in our society and in our business. We can very easily embarrass people, scare people. We scare the pants off and what happens if we don't make our budget this month? Oh my God, we're all going to lose our jobs, all that crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. So being a leader um, around the financial pieces um, is a skillful thing. And uh, there's lots of things that leaders need to learn and to know how to stick handle. Just like when we look after our guests or our colleagues, there are things that we need to learn. Well, with the money, it's exactly the same as how can I lead my team effectively around the financial piece? How can I get them to follow me when it comes to doing their monthly forecasts and doing mm -hmm. their accruals and, and handing in their commentary and doing all those things that they probably wrote, don't really want to do. But what I show them is um, actually how it's really good for them and good for their career, good for their prosperity, good for their pocketbook. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say, it's always great. It's good to be the, the first property on your star report when it comes to ADR and RevPAR, but it's not great when you're not making actual profit and your operation costs are, yeah. are at the yin yang. And so that's important. Yeah. It's like, it's not just revenue management for ADR and RevPAR, it's, it's operation management like you're talking about. And I, I love well, that, that you highlight. When you get into a senior position and you have to start dealing with the management company or the brand or heaven forbid the owners, mm -hmm. they don't usually want to talk about the softer stuff. They want to talk about the bottom line, what happened last month, what's going to happen next quarter, how are we going to deliver on our goals this year in the budget? And if we can't speak to managing our payroll and our expenses, managing the flow through, seeing how we can actually influence that beyond the revenue piece, then we're kind of limited. Yeah. Um, so without, I always tell people without financial leadership skills, not accounting, but without financial leadership skills, you're really quite limited in your career. You can only get so far. Yeah. And I've, oh, go ahead. I was going to say the other thing I always tell people too is, you know, it's like being on the other side of the bridge. But once you cross over the bridge and you look back, you kind of wonder what all the fluff was about and what all the worry was about because it's really not that complicated. You just need someone to show you how to do it. And, and then you need to practice like anything else. Yeah. 
I was going to say, I've had plenty of those scary conversations with owners, so uh, <laughs> I know exactly what you're meaning. But I think this is a good segue to get into the topic of the episode because we're going to talk about the top questions um, for general managers or for hotel owners to ask you know, a potential general manager who does lead in that way, who does lead with the not only the guests, the team, but the financials um, and how the property operates and becomes profitable and sustainable. Um, so I want to dive into... I guess what you got uh, for number one, what's the number one question that uh, you would ask someone who's potentially filling in a GM position into that stance of financial? uh, So I would want to know what their plan is to um, manage my asset and lead their team around the financial piece. How are they going to do that? What's their strategy? And uh, the, you know, the ace answer there is that, look, you know, um, as the GM, I'm responsible for all of the pillars of your business service, all of the colleagues and their engagement and how they interact with one another and the clients. And I'm also responsible for the money. And um, it's not the director of finance that's responsible for it. He or she does the books, but I'm the one that's going to lead the charge and make sure that all the other department managers have their act together when it comes to their numbers. Because as you know, Will, the, you know, uh, an efficient hotel is the sum of its parts and some mm. of its departments. And if I have a couple of departments that are out to lunch with their numbers, they're dragging me down. So I don't, I'm not going to have that as your GM. I'm going to make sure that everybody has a plan and that they stick to that plan and that I manage them around that process so that they understand their payroll, their expenses, and they can deliver. And as you know, in the month, for the month, we book so much of our business in the hotel, we've got to be able to turn it on a dime. And if and if our top line is going to be down by 10% this month, the forecast, and I don't figure that out until the 10th or 15th of the month based on the latest pickup, I need people to turn on a dime and reduce their spending, cut their schedules so we can manage the flow through. And if they don't know what I'm talking about when I'm telling them they need to do that, we're lost. We're out at sea and, uh, you know, we can't turn the ship. So I'm going to have a group of department heads that all understand their numbers. What's the uh, like main department that this is um, not a headache, but a constant, um, constant battle or a constant, you know, (laughs) adjustment. Uh, I'm trying to think of a nice way to say it, you know, but. uh, Who's the the guilty party when it comes to. Well, you know, I have my pet peeves when it comes to that. Maybe it's sales or HR or whatever. But quite frankly, in my experience, all of those departments can be run really well uh, in some hotels based on the individuals and the overall leadership from the top. But you can also have some of those departments that, you know, don't perform well. And you can have the same in rooms or food and beverage. So it's really just about anywhere that it can be good or bad. But really the difference is that, you know, when we hire people, you know, we ask them about, you know, the department they're going to be running, about the service aspects, about the the colleague aspects, how are they going to manage their colleagues? But we also got to ask them, so tell me, what do you know about managing your numbers? And that's got to be the conversation. It's got to be equally as important as the other two parts. And, um, you know, we set the tone right from the very beginning that that's just another part of what I expect you to be able to do. Uh, I'll work with you to give you and get you the resources and the training and all the other things you're going to need to be able to do that. 
just like I do with guest service and with colleague engagement. We have great training and great support. But at the end of the day, you got to be able to carry the ball as a department head. And it doesn't matter what department you're running, they're all just as important because, you know, the maintenance department doesn't bring in any revenue, but they spend three or $4 million a year. And if they're over budget by 10% every month, um, I'm not happy. <laughs> well, I was going to say, uh, how, so how do you balance, like, just like taking care of the property and taking care of the guests, but then also try, because it, it's not easy, as from what I've experienced, like, you know, sometimes a boiler goes out or an AC unit or your housekeeping team has three no-shows and you're, you know, slow on, on turning the rooms and that's costing revenue and and labor and, or maybe, you know, you have way higher occupancy than you would ever forecasted. Um, And so now you're short staffed and all these other things are overstaffed. And so kind of like um, what's the key balance I guess, uh, tools or resources that managers can use to actually like make sure that they're maintaining the guest satisfaction and experience, but then also find that fine line because that's where I've always had the hardest like issue with independent, especially independent. I'm not talking about name brand. Um, Name brand seems to be pretty, pretty well when it comes to this stuff, but the independents usually are the first to start cutting. They'll cut labor, they'll cut supply, they'll cut this. um, And then it impacts, you know, the yeah. guest experience to it and pretty extreme. So I'm kind of curious on what your thoughts are. Well, I think the, the key to having a successful department head and managing their numbers um, and you're right, there's going to be all kinds of surprises and there's going to be yeah. things where you come, come our way that we weren't expecting, but the key to start with is to have them prepare their own budget um, battle through getting that approved in the fall right right now at this yeah. time of the year and then each month going forward in the into 2021 as an example they're doing their forecast and they're doing it in detail and i don't ever have a situation where someone just gives them the numbers and says here's here's your budget mr director of rooms or mr director of maintenance or sales yeah. good luck because they'll just quietly thumb their middle finger at you because those weren't their numbers. Those are not, yeah. not going to buy into it. So the key from the very beginning is to get the accountability. And that's the toughest part because it takes time. It takes the battle. And um, we want to be, you know, holding everybody's feet to the fire so that we can start the year where we all know what's in our budgets. And then it's game on and all kinds of things are going to happen hopefully some good things as well as some things we weren't expecting uh, on the negative. But if we can um, start the year where we've got a team that knows what's in the middle of their statements, then they have the ability to react. And if something happens and we need to make up ground, okay, well, where else in your budget can you save some money? What can you forego? What can you get by with another month without replacing? Um, And in my experience, that's what our businesses it's a game of inches going back and forth all the time and just like that airplane that takes off from boston and flies to la it's changing its position every few seconds just to stay on track and that's what we do in the hotel you know um we will get hit and we will get some surprises but we'll also get some windfalls so i put it all together and that's an exciting um aspect of our business is charting that course every month through the year to get to the end of the year and make our budget exceed our budget. 
And if everybody has a plan and if everybody knows what is in the middle of their statement, then we've got a fighting chance that we can navigate those potholes. If no one knows and we're just flying by the seat of our pants, which is what happens in many cases, um, then we're not going to have much fun and we're not going to have much luck. Yeah. And when yeah. it comes to independence, you're right. When, you know, the um, owner has a lot of influence over what we do, they tend to react severely. Yeah. Um, and that's an Very unfortunate extreme. aspect, but at the same time, it's the GM's job to really educate the owner as to, well, what impact that's going to have down the road. And if that's ultimately what they want to do, then, you know, that's kind of what we're charged with as well is figuring out how to keep the wheels on this bus and uh, keep, keep, keep it going through these, you know, this rough road we're on. Yeah. And it just sounds like in the, in the, the bigger sense of things is that you just need to be honest with yourself, with your department on what it costs, what it, you know, what's realistic, right. Being real to, yeah. to saying, okay, this is the number I need to meet. This is the numbers I have met before X, X Y, and Z. This is what I need to make to make a profit. Um, yeah. And then, of course, managing expectations. I think that's the biggest thing with owners. I, I've seen a GM and an owner clash is because the owner has huge expectations, never actually have working the property. They own the property. They see the financials, but the GM is on the ground every day. And so managing that owner's expectation with how that uh, decision can be very, very impactful on the operations is, is really key. Um so what would be question number two that you would ask for a GM um, regarding, you know, being financially uh, literate and leading the charge? I would, I'd be curious about what their leadership style is all about when it comes to the numbers, because as you know, you know, um, some of our GMs can be real tyrants when it comes to the numbers. And um, that usually doesn't work very well um, because people are afraid of that kind of a situation that, you know, you want me to do my numbers, it's going to blow up in my face. Um, so I would really be looking for someone who realizes that their job is to help uh, the leaders in their team, uh, their department managers, by educating them, by bringing them along. Because not everybody's going to know how to do their forecasts. Let's face it, mm -hmm. not everyone's going to understand how to read the PL. And to say, well, just do it. Um, I need it by Friday. That's not really very helpful. So um, I would really be looking for the person with the leadership style that is in it for the long run and going to help the leaders by educating them and by um, supporting them and be there when, you know, if they screw things up this month and they don't make their numbers, well, why? Let's look into it. Let's figure it out. Um, and really uh, supporting that manager so that they are not afraid and not are intimidated by the process and that they come back to the table next month and they, um, you know, bring their creativity and their eagerness to learn all of this stuff rather than um, trying to hide out and uh, um, not get caught with something. Playing not to win is definitely what we don't want to do. Um, so that leadership style is key. What's uh, like for, for a GM to teach something like that, what's one of the first like, or maybe what are the basics, I guess, that you would go into... Cool to uh, teaching your like department head how to read a PL or a budget? Yeah, one of the big misunderstandings um, in a lot of hotels with a lot of the people in senior leadership positions is they think that director of finance is the key to making all of this happen. And they're definitely a, a, a big part of how we deliver in all of that. But 
as the GM, I'm the person leading the charge on all fronts, including the money. So I want to make sure they hear it from me how important it is for them to do their forecast. And if you're in a property and the director of finance is chasing everybody to get their forecast in and the GM's kind of mute about the point or saying good luck, that's not very helpful. Um, they need to really help um, support the, nosh, the, the notion that you know everybody's numbers are just as important as anything else and nobody gets a, a free ticket, so to speak, to not do what they need to do. I know in some hotels I worked in, that was very frustrating because some departments would be you know, um, singled out and, and held, excuse me, <clears throat> and taken to task on their numbers and others just seem to skate by. Uh, why is this the, the way it is? So having that same level playing field in the hotel is, is so key to increasing the financial culture and the uh, accountability. Yeah, no, that's very true. I think it's just comes down to, uh, no one likes to be chased, right? In that sense. And no, but people also need to realize that, you know, that they're not going to get away with not being um, responsible for, the, for, for their piece. Just like, you know, if I had really terrible guest service scores, you know, people would be going, Mr. Lund, you know, what, what's going on in your department? You, you know, this is not going to be tolerated. Same with if I had a terrible colleague uh, opinion survey and the results come back and it's like, I'm Attila the Hun. Well, they're not going to put up with me for very long. Well, the same with your numbers. If you're not on top of it and if you're not able to, you know, manage the middle of your statement, then you have no business being a, a department head. Um, my job is to help you, you know, get your act together and uh, work with you to do that and um, make sure that that's what people see consistently. Yeah. Well, I was just going to go into another question that um, I saw on, on your, on your blog was the, what, what exactly does each hotel department head need to do in order to be successful with their financial plan and how will they ensure this happens? And I know you kind of just talked about it, but I guess for any listeners that are department heads or um, maybe even a GM or soon to be GM, what would be like the top two to three? Well, there's a, there's, I call it um, my five parts um, monthly formula for financial success. And there's an acronym, we love acronyms, but this one is F-T-A-R-W, five letters. And basically in the hotel, the window opens and closes every month as it relates to the finances. We get to start all over again. So yeah. I liken it to if, if, Will, if you and I were working banquets and every night we did a banquet, guess what? We get really good at doing banquets because we'd be talking about it beforehand. We'd go for a beer and, and debrief afterwards. You know, what happened with the soup tonight? Oh my God, it was stone cold. Okay, well, what are we going to do? You know? Yeah. We get good at it. And in the financial sense, it's exactly the same thing, but the window is a month, not a night. So we need to kind of expand that. But every month we need to do five things. Number one is F, forecast. I need each department manager to do their forecast in detail with a staffing guide and with zero-based expenses so they know what's in the middle of their statement. The second uh, part is track. So once we've approved the forecast, we get into the month, I need to, to know how we're doing relative to the revenue forecast to track against that. And then the third part is adjust. I need them to adjust their spending based on the forecast, based on the in the month for the month revenue picture. 
And then the um, fourth part is I need them to review, review their month end statement and make sure that what's in their department, in their lines um, is what it's supposed to be, what they told me they were going to spend, that there isn't um, items in there that belong in other departments. I can't look at every single item as the director of finance or the GM at the end of the month. I need all eyes on that statement to make sure we close the books clean. Then the fifth part, uh, W is I need everybody to write their monthly commentary. Tell me what happened. Tell me what worked. Tell me what didn't. Tell me what we're going to do to improve it next month. And then we start all over again. We have another month to do. We get better and better and better. And if I can just focus my department managers on doing those five things every month, before you know it, we're in autopilot. Everybody's doing their, their five steps. And um, I have a great way of holding people accountable because I talk about this at our exec meetings. I talk about it at our, at our department head meetings and everyone knows what's expected. And we give them the training and the support to do it. And uh, before you know it, we've got a group of department managers that by and large really know what they're doing. And it's no longer you know, a bit of a mystery or it's no longer um, outside of our culture window. It's straight, straight in the middle. Well, I love that picture that you painted with the airplane constantly moving an inch or two to be on track, because this is something that you don't do at the end of the month or once out, like one day out of the month. This is something you're constantly doing throughout the week, uh, almost every day. And as you're, you're going throughout, and that's, I think if you hear all those things, you get a little overwhelmed, right? You're like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of stuff. Like, to, to do, but you're constantly doing it. So it's actually not a lot. If It's a lot if you do it at once at the yeah. end and you're not keeping track and you're not taking notes and you're not, oh, yeah. you know, reviewing what, what's going on, but you, if you're doing it every day and throughout the week and making the big bullet points and highlights and, you know, being aware of it, um, I think it becomes a lot less stressful for a lot of people that are probably yeah. listening to it. To, to use an, another uh, analogy, a good American analogy, I'm Canadian, but I, <laughs> I grew up playing baseball. The hotel business and the financial piece, it's just like baseball. So in baseball, we have nine innings. In the hotel world, we have 12 innings. But I don't need to win every single inning in the baseball game to win the game. Sure. Same in our world. We're going to have months where we make it. We're going to have months where we don't. What I want to be able to do is win after 12 innings. Yeah. That's it. That's the, that's the world we live in. Um, and we will have times when we drop the ball, but we're also, if we have a system to follow and a team that's engaged, we'll have wins. And we just have to keep going, realizing that it's not perfect. Yeah, no, exactly. And um, now I want to get, we've, we talked about wins. Now question uh, number six that I've seen is, uh, what will you do when you have a bad month and miss the forecast? So this is a good one. I've, I've seen a lot of uh, responses in my, in my experience. So I'm kind of curious to see what you think. Well, you know, what the last thing we're going to do is hang it, everybody out to dry because that mm. just doesn't work. It just creates um, ways in which people will um, manage the news and, and um, hide the truth or do whatever they can to make it look like they didn't um, drop the ball. So we need to acknowledge when we didn't live up to what we said we were going to do, find out why. That's again, right back to the same monthly process um, and review. Well, what happened with our forecast? Why were we thinking that we could achieve a certain level of 
occupancy? Why do we think we could get by with a certain level of expense relative to that occupancy? What happened? Um, and then adjust accordingly. And, you know, the thing is that people don't realize uh, when it comes to the numbers, they think the numbers are like grade 10 math where there's an answer for every question. But what we have to remember about the budget or the forecast is the only thing we know for sure, the only thing we know for sure is that it's, that it's wrong. Mm. The budget's never right. The budget is always gonna be higher or lower. Um, and we're gonna have months where we make it and when we don't. So we have a bad month, you have to look each other in the eyes and um, examine what happened and uh, pick up the pieces and go back to work and, and um, you know, have another month, we have another shot at it. And, you know, when it comes to service in our hotels, we come to work every day and we know it's not gonna be perfect. If we told people that, you know, were our neighbors that service in my hotel is gonna be perfect today, they would laugh at us because it's not gonna ever be perfect. It's the same with colleague engagement. Do we ever expect our employees to do 100% of the things we tell them 100% of the time? No, it's foolishness. Yeah. With the numbers, it's exactly the same. It's never going to be perfect. So just realize that coming to work and uh, operate at a very high level, but don't put so much pressure on people. Don't make it so um, anal when it comes to the results. Yeah. Um, so that's all. Well, I know we like the biggest thing, is, but I, you know, I'm in the both worlds of vacation rentals and hotels. Um, and the, I think the biggest thing we experience in the hotel world of hospitality is that um, labor, you know, uh, payroll is one of the highest costs. Um, vacation rentals, not so much. Usually uh, people with 10 or less properties don't have very many staff and, you know, very, very automated systems, no front desk, you know, that type of deal. Um, so what are your specific ideas on how a hotel can control payroll? I know this is another question that you would ask a GM, but I want to know your thoughts as well. Well, when it comes to payroll, you know, there's really two pieces in the hotel. There's the fixed and the variable. So when it comes to the fixed, um, I want to make sure that every department has an approved staffing guide, which mm -hmm. has a list of all of the salaried positions that have been approved for their department. And if there's seasonality around those or, you know, um, various different levels where that kicks in, it needs to be very clear. So people aren't coming and asking, you know, can I add another body? Can I do this? Can I do that? Because if they don't understand that this is what you have to operate with and you need to figure it out, then they're going to be frustrated because they always want to add more bodies. So first part is an approved staffing guide for fixed positions. The second piece is to have a uh, staffing formula. So for every variable position in your department, you need to know what's the math that lies behind it. So if I'm running the front desk, it's arrivals and departures and stayovers. Those all mesh together and they equal a formula to say how many hours I can have for each position. Mm -hmm. That needs to be laid out. It needs to be um, put in all the inputs from the daily occupancy and figure out how many hours I can have in the month. And then I go to work and I try and run my department that way this month. And that way I then start measuring productivity, hours per room occupied. If I'm running housekeeping, it's the same thing. If I'm running a food and beverage operation, it's hours per customer cover served. But we've got to get away from measuring labor costs as a percentage of revenue, because if the revenues go up or go down, I don't have any control over that. Yeah. And if 
the state or provincial government changes the minimum wage or something that affects that and all of a sudden everybody gets a dollar an hour increase, I'm gonna look like I'm not doing a very good job. But when it comes to productivity and I'm measuring units of production divided by hours of work, I can do uh, and measure things very predictably. So I would teach people how to do that in their forecasts and their budgets, but then also bring it and make it alive inside of your weekly forecast. So every week when you're doing your schedule, you're actually putting in your productivity so that we can tell whether or not the week is gonna be a success even before we start. Mm. And I would start approving, you know, and reviewing and teaching my leaders to manage their departments by reviewing productivity. And if it's a non-operating department, it's a little bit easier because we've got just probably more fixed positions than variable, but it's the same idea. You know, making sure people understand what we have to work with as far as resources go and um, holding them to that as well. Yeah, no, that's really, that's great. It's a golden nugget pretty much. Um, I think, especially, I, and this is why I wanted to lean into a little bit with the conclusion of the episode is we're in a, you know, interesting time, um, you know, 2008, 2009, we had the financial crisis and now we're in the middle of uh, COVID-19. So for general managers, for department heads, for owners, for anybody really that's in the hotel world right now, um, or I think we're seeing a big, a big difference. You know, obviously occupancy and revenue alone is at an all-time low. Um, international travel not happening, and especially a lot of markets and countries that depend on international travel for for their their revenue and income. Um, what has maybe either been? I'll make it like a two-part question. What has been the one way you've seen some hotels be able to keep afloat um, despite all these uh, challenges? And two part, part two would be, okay, how are they keeping it afloat? But then what are they doing in order to increase things or change their strategy as they never probably wouldn't have in the beginning if without COVID? I think it was um, an American president, JFK, that coined the phrase, like a high tide floats all boats. Mm. And we've had a high tide in our business for the last 10 years. And every year we had, in most cases, you know, high single, even double digit rev bar growth. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, just about anybody can run a hotel when the phone is ringing. Um, but try and run one when it's going in the other direction is very different and very challenging. And we need to do two things. One is we need to realize that uh, we can't save our way to prosperity. We can't eliminate all of our expenses and eliminate all of our payroll because we are left with not a hotel, but um, you know, substandard service. And uh, we want customers to be able to come back to us and be able to return when it's safe to do so. And in the meantime, we're going to have to suck it up or, you know, um, maybe someone's going to call our loan, who knows, but at the end of the day, we can't lose sight of the opportunity we have to realize that we were running things with our um, by the seat of our pants, with our eyes closed mm. on that full C. And we need to realize we need a system and we need to have trained department heads and managers so that we can manage things more efficiently. And if I'm an owner and, uh, you know, COVID took me completely by surprise. Well, shame on me because, you know, how many great months did we have in a row? I think we had a hundred, over a hundred months of RevFAR growth. And if we're not putting money away for a rainy day, um, just like as individuals, if we didn't put money away for a rainy day, 
um, and we had a hundred months to get organized, well, shame on us. And yeah. if we think this is the only time we're ever going to have a crisis in our business and let's say 36 months from now, things are great. And I didn't take a lesson from this time and I didn't train my leaders and I don't have a system. And if I don't have strong financial leadership skills in my business, shame on me. Mm. Oh, that's great. That's a, that's a, a strong note to end the episode on. I appreciate <laughs> all the stuff that you've been doing and putting together. I think, um, you know, this is, we always talk about like the guest experience and operations and like even a little bit of revenue management, but we never talk about like the financial leadership um, it really takes in, uh, at least I don't talk about this as often as I should on the show. So it's been cool to, to get you on and to highlight these things, because again, um, if now's, you know, now's a great time to yeah. start, you know, so. Well, I can, I can remember, you know, back in the, let's say the mid nineties, like 25 years ago when we didn't have revenue managers. Hmm. Um, I can remember, you know, as the director of finance, I would sit down with a reservations manager and she would tell me what she had for rooms on the books and we would stick handle that and come up with, and I would come up with the forecast and then take it to the GM and go, okay, this is what we're looking at for next month. And you're like, oh no, add a bit more here, add a bit more there. We didn't have the sophisticated processes that we do today in revenue management. And good for us for creating those and for people to have invested in those because there's a return on that. As everyone knows, good revenue management is a great return on investment, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I believe that, you know, we're on the same um, forefront right now when it comes to financial leadership, running our hotel and not having a plan. Maybe that's what we did in the last decade, but in the next decade, I really want to see and I, I dream that we're going to have hotels that are investing in this and realizing that it's good for business because you know we can make higher profits and have happier leadership teams and happier owners in good times but also when times get tough again and we know there will be another time and that there just continually will be that we operate differently um, yeah. and that we don't end up with half of our industry gone and half of the leadership and the talent we have gone because that's really costly and if you add all that up and you look back a few years from now you're going to realize that okay maybe i did need to take some drastic steps but maybe i took way too drastic of the steps and i lost a lot of you know the um strength i had as a hotel or as a company so yeah. that's what i hope is that we we learn something from our past and we can apply it to now and to into our future you're, it's like music to my ears right now. I love it. Well, cool. David, where can where can all the listeners find you? What's uh, I'll obviously include everything in the show notes, but yeah. um, if you really like this episode, where can they just immediately go to? Yeah, go to my website, um, hotelfinancialcoach.com, one word. Um, in there, I have all kinds of links for information um, about my online uh, workshops, one-to-one mentorship programs, my video courses, my speaking. Um, as well, um, you can uh, bathe yourself in over 200 different blogs that I've written. I read, write a different blog and publish it every week. And while you're there, it'll ask you for your email address, sign up, and you will receive my weekly blog right in your inbox every Monday morning. But I encourage people to go back and read what's there because there's a treasure trove of information on leadership, financial leadership, financial um wherewithal um, you could self-educate yourself um, completely right there 
And lastly, if anybody wants to get a hold of me, there's a, um, a link on my website to book a one-on-one -on -one call with me if you want to talk about how I can help your team or how I can help you or um, what you're working on, what you want help with. Be more than happy to do that. The call is free. And um, yeah, just go to my website. It's all there. Awesome. People can also find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm very um, active uh, on LinkedIn, especially. But um, yeah. Thanks, Will. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. So I'll, like I said, I'll include everything in the show notes. So all the slick talkers out there, if you're listening, uh, check it out, hotelfinancialcoach.com. And then of course, uh, I will be posting about this all over the social media. So you'll have everything at your disposal. Thank you again, David, for being on the show. And it's been a true, true pleasure. My pleasure, Will. Thank you for having me. And uh, hopefully the next time we're talking, uh, occupancy and rates are going up. Yes, agreed. And we can do it over a beer. Yes, that'd be nice. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you so much for listening. We love your support and want to provide the best we can to all our listeners. So please find us online, social media, and on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. What's up, everybody? If you've gotten this far into the episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, then you are amazing. And thank you so much for tuning in. We want to send you two places really quickly. If you can, check out the show notes and click the hospitality.fm link. Check out all of our other shows on the podcast network. And don't forget, if you have someone that you want to hear on the podcast, then fill out the guest fill out form so that way we can get them on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast.